0: It has been a couple of couple of weeks, um, but I'm happy to be back this morning. If y'all don't if y'all remember a little bit about uh, me and my ministry, um, I run a a nonprofit called Mile Eighteen Ministries, and <clears throat> we focus a lot on um, well, mainly on biblical counseling. And so we we connect with uh, with people in that way, and and uh, I like to use the term intense discipleship rather than counseling. We don't necessarily, um, add therapy to your life, but we, uh, we, we really do try to apply God's word to, uh, s- situations and, and symptoms of things that are going on in your life. And so, so that's kind of what we do. And in that vein, I was going to tell you a little bit about, uh, some of the things that, that, uh, that some of the structures that we use there. Um, and it actually does lead into a sermon. I promise we're not just, this is not just commercial time. Um, but um it, it, one of the things that we do um and recently i've i've had a lot of um a lot of people that we've been counseling recently have been um uh it's been addictions it's uh, it's kind of strange it goes in cycles um therefore for the first half of last year it was real heavy on on marriages and um The second half of last year kind of turned into more anxiety and depression for some reason. And now we're kind of turned into a season of 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 addictions for some reason. And it's just kind of odd how how we go in cycles like that. But um, but this is kind of the season that we're in. So I'm I have this kind of a structure in my brain when I start talking to people that are dealing with really well anything really. But but mainly in in this in this this um, addiction kind of 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 area where we counsel through. Um, a lot of times, what we'll do is we'll start with, let's look at your past. Okay, let's let's deal with your past. Let's let's focus on that. Um, is there sin in your life? Is there are there things that are still going on that you need to deal with? Are there? Uh, here are some some tricks and some some tips and some things that you can do to to avoid those types of sins in your life. And so we really we really look at that and we we go down the path of is there are there things in in that history that you need to undo are there people that you have offended or that you have that you have affected by your your past sin and if so we need to deal with that so we have this moment of looking backwards actually not just a moment we have several weeks of looking backwards and you know let's deal with our past let's make sure we're we're in good shape and then there's this pivot moment okay we've dealt with our past we've looked at that we have worked through that we have talked to people we have asked for forgiveness we have dealt with that and now there's this moment right here in the middle of pivot, all right? Now we need to pivot. And so I'm talking with these, with these, with these people that are, that, are, that are working through this, and I, and I tell them, you know, it's really it's not enough for you to decide in your life that I'm no longer going to sin. Okay, that's a wonderful thing, and we should. We should work really hard in our lives to not live in a sin that's in our lives. But there's this pivot moment um, that it's, it's important to move on and not just live with, I don't want to sin anymore. It would be like me coming home every every afternoon to my wife. Her name is Tanya. And I would come home to Tanya and say, hey, Tanya, guess what? I didn't sin. I did not commit adultery today. I am, man, life is good. I did not commit adultery today. And you know, what, guess what? I, I, I am, I am sin free today. And I'll see you tomorrow. And that's it. That's the rest of the diet no one talk to her anymore, we don't have a conversation with her, we don't eat supper together, just nothing. Get up next morning, go to work, come back home and say, "Hey, guess what, Tanya? Didn't commit adultery again today. 2 days in a row. Look at that." And then shut it down, don't eat dinner, don't talk to each other, go to bed, wake up the next day, do the exact same thing over and over and over again. See, I'm living a marriage that's sin-free. But we're not advancing forward. We're not working on this relationship. I'm not growing in my skills as being a husband. I'm just living, trying not to sin. See, I think a lot of us do that as Christians. And so as I'm talking to these guys and and ladies about, about this in their life, I'm saying you've got to deal with your past. But once you decide it's time to move on, you have to get past this mentality of I just can't sin anymore. I just can't sin anymore. What you've got to do is start taking on the mantle, and this is when I, I, this is when it really becomes real intense discipleship, because then you take on the mantle of becoming more like Jesus. Okay, it's a big difference between not sinning. And becoming more like Jesus. In my marriage, it's a big difference between just not being a a bad husband and being a good husband. I've got to learn and grow and and, and get to know my wife in such a way that we can really have a great relationship. So that's kind of the process. This is all just precursor stuff, okay? That's kind of the process of what we go through. So we're doing that. And just this past week, it may have been the week before now, I can't remember, but just recently, I'm working through with this with this guy. We've been working together for several weeks, working on his past, looking at that, trying to deal with it. And I get to this moment, and I just told him really similar to what I just told you guys. And he looks at me, and he is a guy that grew up in church, but not really with a really strong relationship with Jesus. So he knows all the church words. He knows all the church techniques. He knows the things he's supposed to be doing. He knows Sunday school. He knows all of that stuff. But he looks at me as serious as he can be. And this is a guy that's not too much younger than me. So he's been around and he looks at me straight in the eye and he says, I do not know what it means to be like Jesus. I don't know what that means. And so it is definitely something that we worked through, but there was something about the way he said that it just melted me. I thought, do, do we not realize and do and, and even in my own life, do I not know what it means to be like Jesus. And then so I started examining my own life. And I started looking back. And I thought well, well, well I do that. And I do that. And I do that. And that's not like Jesus. And I, I have this going on in my life. And I say those things. And I have this attitude. And well that's not like Jesus. And I was just convicted to my soul. To my core. How can I tell these people. That they need to learn to be like Jesus. If I'm not. So it started me down this quest. Of what does it even mean. And here I am. Biblical counselor, a pastor, an ordained guy who has a seminary degree, who's dealing with this in his fifties. How do I be like Jesus? And so I went. I, I I I told him, I want to do this with you. I want to work with you. Let's find out what it means to be like Jesus. Okay. So in the next little bit, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know, and nothing else. It's all you need to know is how to be like Jesus. Okay. Uh, And that's a little bit of a joke because there is no way in the world I could spend the next 30 minutes telling you everything that you need to know about being like Jesus. But I want to give you a technique. okay? that's what I want to do this morning, because this is what I did with him. This is not a sermon so much as it's just a brief little counseling session, if that's okay. So here's what I want you to do. Um, We're going to what what I told him to do and what, what we were we are working through together. I said, let's pick a gospel and let's pick a story or two about Jesus and let's pull out every attribute we can find about Him. And let's see if we can apply that to our lives. So this morning, we're going to do that, okay? And so here's what I want you to do. Because it's not real sermony, it's not real, um, there's no flashy story that comes back at the end and shows back up again and you go, oh, that makes so much sense, that's so cool. There's no credits rolling here and there's no there's no connection moments where you're going to go, wow, that all makes sense now. This is just... Straight out of Scripture and straight into your lives, okay? Um, and so there, are, I'm going to tell you six things I'm going to find in this passage. Six things, six attributes of Jesus. And what I would like for you to do, instead of memorizing all six of them, I want you to prayerfully consider one of these one of these characteristics that you may or may not have in your life. And if you do have it, maybe it's a prompting of God to say that's a characteristic that you have. But I want you to get better at that. I want you to grow in that. So I'm gonna, we're going to go through six. So I want you to pick one, okay? And at the end of the day, I want you to have that that characteristic in your mind, and it's something that you can work on, and that God can grow in you, okay? So we'll pause just for a minute. Let's pray over this, and let's ask God to really reveal Himself to us as we go through this passage and find these six attributes of Jesus. Let's pray together. And before I pray vocally, I would just ask that you just right there where you are, just silently ask God to reveal something in this passage to you that you need to work on, that you need to grow in an area that you need to grow in. Would you just silently pray that right where you are? God, I do pray that you would just reveal to us individually areas of our lives that don't look like Jesus. And God, I pray that we would be bold enough, that we would be honest enough to say that is an area where I need to grow and to change and to become more like him. And Lord, I pray that at the end of today, that we just have one thing that we can work on, one attribute that we can add to our lives, one change that we can make in our lives that will grow us to become more like jesus so people would know who you are because of how we respond uh in in a way that does reflect you god thank you for that in jesus name amen and amen so what we did is we went to john chapter 8 would you turn there with me this morning john chapter 8 uh, it seems kind of random that we just opened up that, but that's just kind of where we were in our Bible study together that we were working through together. So we just kind of picked this, this chapter and said, let's look at it. Let's see what Jesus, what Jesus is. I pulled out six things in this chapter. But there are many more. And as, if, if you would uh, take on the challenge of taking this chapter or any of the chapters out of the Gospels and just find out what all Jesus is in these. I want to just kind of show you what we did, and I encourage you to do the same. So, let me just talk you through just a little bit about where we are here in John. Um, Jesus has started his ministry and he already i mean by starting his ministry I mean he is now he is he already is known for healing people and for performing miracles and casting out demons and the the the, the people know him he has migrated his ministry to Galilee and he is in Galilee and they are um, People are coming to him and he's teaching a little bit and he's eating and working with people. And this he is just ministering, however, uh, however it kind of comes to him at this point. Um, The first part of chapter eight, um, the uh, the Pharisees are beginning to really distrust Jesus because Jesus is kind of showing them up. You know how this works. Right. And so they are going to start throwing some curveballs at Jesus just to try to catch him in something just to try to make him say something he shouldn't or try to make him do something that he shouldn't or something heretical or uh, just try to catch him in some lie or something uh, that, that, that he can. So the first part of chapter 8, um, he, they, they are bringing him a woman caught in adultery. And so we're going to see something there in Jesus. When that's done, the people that, that hang around, Jesus begins to talk to them, and that's kind of the rest of the chapter. So that's where we are in God's Word right now. So the first attribute of Jesus is found in verse 7. This is right in the middle of of a bunch of people that have brought Jesus this lady that was caught in adultery. And the law says she should die because of her sin. And so Jesus, they, they bring her to Jesus, and they say, we're about to stone this woman because that's what the law says. What do you say? And so here's the first attribute of Jesus. It's found in verse 7, and it says this. They kept demanding an answer. They are the the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, uh, about this woman. So they kept demanding an answer in verse 7. So he stood up again, and he said, all right. All right, basically meaning, all right, you can do what it is the law says. And then he says, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. So the first attribute that we found of Jesus, that I have found of Jesus in this verse, is that Jesus has compassion and forgiveness. Now, if I'm going to be more like Jesus, I have to have compassion and forgiveness. Compassion um, is, well, let me just ask you this. Are you a compassionate person? Do people in your life feel like you're compassionate? Could you find some people that would testify in your life of your compassion? How about when um, uh, when something difficult happens to someone, you know, does your compassion level reach out and where you go and help and and be a part of their lives and really get into their lives and find out more about who what's going on? Or are you kind of like, well, let me just be honest. Are you kind of like me sometimes and just go, that really doesn't apply to me. I'm sorry you're going through that. But, you know, good luck. You know, I think sometimes that God puts stuff in our lives, difficult things in our lives, so that we can demonstrate our compassion to them. Um, And you may be thinking, but there's no way that I can deal with all of the stuff that's going on in my life. I I can't help everybody that I see. And to be honest, you can't. But I believe that if you're not doing at least one, then I think you're missing what God wants to do in your life. Compassion. What about forgiveness? Are you a forgiving person? Are you the kind of person that hangs on to a grudge a little bit too long or way too long? Are, is forgiveness an attribute of your life like it was Jesus? I have found a, a book called um, The Peacemaker. I highly recommend you, if you're a reader, uh, find the book The Peacemaker. Uh, and it's a book written by Ken Sandy is his name. And in that book, you'll find, um, well, lots of really good stuff. But one of the things that I would like to bring out this morning is he has four promises of forgiveness Four promises of forgiveness. This will help you understand if you're a forgiving person or not. Okay. So if you will just be honest with yourself, is there somebody in your life that you really kind of feel like maybe I haven't forgiven or is there a circumstance in your life that you're thinking, Oh man, here he goes. Why don't you just move on to something else? Uh, Is there something in your life that maybe could potentially be an unforgiving area of your life? And if so, focus on that just for a second. Here are four promises of forgiveness in your life, and perhaps this will help you understand if you're forgiving or not. The first promise is this if, you have a, if you're dealing with something, uh, a, 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 an area with somebody else that you have not quite forgiven, here is the first promise. The first promise is I will not dwell on this incident. If you are dealing with forgiveness in your life, tell, ask yourself, Am I dwelling on this incident? Am I just allowing this thing to become part of my life all the time? Now, listen, thoughts will will always bubble up into your brain. That is not a sin. The sin is when you decide that I'm going to hang on to this thought and I'm going to dwell on this. Uh, we, we, we can't really control the thoughts that just pop into our minds, but what we can control is how long they stay there, and we may have to put on something in its place. So I will not dwell on this incident. The second promise is this— I will not bring this incident up again and use it against you. Um, I think I may have told this story, but I'll tell it again. Um, uh, early on in, 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 my, in my wife, in our marriage, um, my wife, did, I know I've told this story. I'm going to tell it again. Y'all are going to say, y'all are going to act like you've never heard this. Um, but early on in our marriage, um, my wife did something that irritated me. And honestly, I don't remember what it was, and I'm kind of proud that I don't remember what it was now. But at the time, I did remember what it was because I remember I didn't retaliate. I didn't jump back at her. I didn't holler at her. I didn't yell. But but I do remember driving away from our apartment where we were living, and I remember thinking, yeah, okay, I was good. I didn't do anything mean. I didn't say anything. I didn't retaliate. But I'm hanging on to that one because that's coming back. y'all do that? That's coming back. I'm going to bring that back up because she's going to get irritated with me about something, and I can just whip that thing right back out of the holster and use it that's not real forgiveness. Right? That's not forgiveness. So that's the second promise. The third promise is this, I will not talk to other people about this incident. That's the true factor of if you know you're if you know you have forgiven somebody and walked away. I won't talk to somebody else. And then the final one is this, I will not use this incident to stand between us going forward. Okay? In other words, our relationship's not going to change. It's not going to get worse. It's only going to get better from here. So those are the four promises. I will not dwell on this incident. I will not use this incident against you. I will not talk to this incident about uh, to someone else, and I won't let this incident become a barrier between us going forward. That's how you know if you've actually forgiven someone. Are you a forgiving person? Jesus was and if we are to grow and change and become more like Jesus if that's our if that's our goal in life by the way 2 Corinthians 5:9 I know we preached about this a few weeks ago and y'all remember everything that I preached I know that I appreciate that uh, but 2 Corinthians 5:9 says this whether I'm at home or away I make it my goal to please God my goal in life is to please God how do I please God I become more like Jesus 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 says this is God's will for you that you become that you be sanctified that you basically become more like Jesus how do I do that? Well, we do it right here in this word. We become more compassionate and forgiving. That's the first attribute. The second attribute is found in, in um, verse 14. Again, we're just pulling stuff out of God's word. There's no, there's no connection to this necessarily. There's no train that we're trying to get out of the station here. We're just pulling stuff right out of God's word and saying, God, what do you want to apply to our lives? So verse 14. Okay, now the story here in chapter 8, um, that woman that was caught in adultery that the people wanted to stone um he jesus kind of said hey let him who is without the first without the sin cast the first stone this is that was verse seven and none of them could so they all walked off well the people that were there viewing and watching this 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 all transpire and play out they're still there okay so now jesus is just chatting He's just talking to the people that were there. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily say if this is one-on-one or one-on-few or there was a great big multitude of people there. But Jesus is just kind of teaching them here as he goes along. So in verse 14, um, Jesus says, um, Jesus says, These claims are, are valid even though I make them for myself. By the way, he's talking about, I didn't go far enough here. As he's talking to these people, he's starting to talk about him being the light of the world. Okay. Uh, And they're all kind of scratching their heads. Well, you can say that stuff to the Pharisees, and they listen. Maybe you are the light of the world. But Jesus says in verse 14 that these claims that he's the light of the world are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. Um, Jesus, this is the second attribute. Jesus has what I like to call loving wisdom. He has loving wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge that's properly applied. Loving wisdom is knowledge that is properly applied for your benefit. Okay? Let me slow down just a little bit. Most of us know something about God's word. That's knowledge okay i know let me, let me just give you an example first uh, i mean uh, james chapter 1 verse 19 says be, be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry okay that's knowledge i know that i know that james said it i know it's in chapter 1 and i know those words i can quote those words to you so that's knowledge so knowledge is just knowledge it's not wisdom knowledge properly applied becomes wisdom okay so now i'm quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry now I can withhold. Back, back when my wife and I were struggling, back in our that little story I just told you, I used that verse sort of to. I didn't know that verse at the time, but I, I used I used the knowledge of that verse to not not bark at her and go back at her. But it was not necessarily for her benefit. It was for mine because I was going to hang on to that. Remember, uh, and. Good, okay. Um, so if, uh, so anyway, so, so wisdom is, is knowledge that's applied, and loving wisdom is knowledge that's applied for your benefit. Um, it is so important that we as Christians understand God's word enough to apply it to our lives. I know way too many people, and I'll be honest, I was one of these people for a long time, but I know way too many people who know God's word but have no clue as to how to apply it to their lives. And they definitely don't have any idea how to apply it to their lives that affects and helps other people. That's what loving wisdom is, and that's an attribute that Jesus had. He knew people, and he knew what they needed, and he knew how to apply God's word to them. That's not a light switch moment. That's not something you just decide, hey, I'm going to be wise today. I'm going to switch this light switch on, and everything's – I'm now I'm – it's not. But I can decide and do it with a light switch moment. I can switch that light on and say – I am going to work to apply God's word to my life so that it helps other people. Loving wisdom. That's the second attribute that that is found here in chapter 8. A third one is down in verse 26. Jesus is still kind of in this section of talking about him being the light of the world. Um, And so the people are now kind of feeding back to him. And they're kind of chatting, okay, well, what's this mean? And how does this look? And in verse 26, he says this, I have, much to say, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say, listen to this, For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. See, Jesus listened to his father. Jesus listens. That's the next attribute. Now there's two pieces here. He's listening to his father, yes. Well, he is receiving word from his father so that he can understand and grow and become more like, more like God, his father. But he also is listening to the people that are around him. Listening is different from hearing. Okay? Now, Now hear me on this or listen to me on this. Hearing is simply receiving what's going on around you. Listening is understanding what's going on around you. Um, early on, back, back in, early on in my marriage, I, I guess I really had trouble back then, I guess. Uh, but again, back early on in my marriage... That's just or that's really hard I can promise you Jesus went through that and I know that he did because he the, the night the, the nights leading up to his crucifixion he was just struggling with the fact of not wanting to do what he knew he had to do. My friends, are you obedient to what God is calling you to do that is the the fourth characteristic the fifth one I'm going through these fast I know but I'm trying to get get, get us through these the fifth one uh, is found in verse 31. Jesus is still teaching and still talking to those that are around him. He says this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Uh, Your version may say, if you will remain faithful to my truth, it says in, in some versions. Verse 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, Jesus, the next attribute is Jesus values truth. Now, there's two kinds of truth in my brain. There's one of them is the capital T truth, the truth. Jesus valued the truth, and I believe that's God's word, capital T truth. God, or Jesus valued this. Many times he would quote the prophets of old, or he would quote a psalm of David, or he, would, he, he remembered what, what, he was, what he had been taught as a child and memorized God's word, and he was all about knowing God's word. Do you know God's word? Do You spend time in it. That's the capital T truth. But he also was very insistent that we stay with the small T truth. That is that we just own the truth. We don't lie. We don't say things that are false. We don't we don't build somebody up just for the sake of building them up when it doesn't when it's not even true. We only speak the truth. Ephesians four fifteen says um, that we that we should speak the truth in love. We should always speak the truth. In love. I know there's so many times in my life that I just want to I just want to throw out a little bit of a lie just because it would make you feel better. You know, I just wanna I just want to say it this way because this is it would make me look better because I'm saying nice things. There are times in our lives where we have to say the truth and speak that truth in love. And Jesus was all about the truth. The capital T truth and the lowercase T truth. That's the fifth attribute that we've pulled out of this chapter. And finally, the last one. Finally, number six is found in verse 50 of this chapter. And again, by the way, we found more than six. We've, I found a whole bunch of them in this chapter. These are just six that I, I didn't want to preach for two hours. Uh, I didn't think y'all would like me for that. The Verse, verse 50 says this, uh, and then I'm going to read verse 54 as well, so I, I will, we'll hit both of these verses right now. John chapter 8, verse 50 says this. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, I have no wish to glorify myself. God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. The verse 54 says, And Jesus answered, If I go if I want to glorify myself, it doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. And and, and then the, the rest of the verses, you said He is He is our God. And it's kind of going to another thought. Um, Jesus was allowing God to to speak good about Jesus. And so this, in my mind, this attribute is humility. Jesus was humble. He was humble. And I believe um, that this, this attribute really does feed into the rest of them. Okay? Um, Jesus was, he did not... Brag about himself. He told truth about himself, but he didn't brag about himself. He didn't talk about, well, did you see that last miracle I did? Man, that's I'm pretty awesome. He he, he didn't do that. He didn't. Now he brought attention to himself because it brought attention to his father, but it was never a man. I'm I'm really good at this. I, man, gosh, I, you guys are privileged to have me in the room today. I'm just that guy, um, and we way too often. That's that's our motive. We are so concerned about how we look, so concerned about how we come across. We are so concerned about what people think of us. That is the actual opposite of humility. Humility is simply allowing other people to be better and more important than you. That's hard to do. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus valued people and their time more than he valued his own. And he was always available. He was always ready to help. He was always in the mindset, even though he was fully God, he was always in the mindset of thinking, but you are more valuable than me. My friends, do you see people as more valuable than you? And do you treat them that way? That's true humility. I believe all of this sums up into that one. So if you back up into all these six attributes that we have and think about humility through them all. okay. The first attribute was compassion and forgiveness. Humility. i got to be a humble person to have compassion on you. Uh, The second one was loving wisdom. Wisdom that is about you. It's about applying it to you. That's humility. I've got to assume that you are more important in the room than me. The third one is listening. Jesus listens. Humility. I can't, if I'm, if I'm the greatest person in the room, then I'm not listening to you. Why should I? But if I assume that you are, and I assume that you, you're, you're, what you're about to say is more important than what I need to say, humility. It's, it's, it is what exactly what it is. Jesus was obedient to the Father, the fourth one says. Humility. God, you are greater than me. Please speak to me. The fifth one was um, the valuing of truth. Truth is not opinion. See, my opinion doesn't matter. The truth matters. And that's humility as well because I have to say, hey, my opinion is just my opinion. Let me tell you the truth. If there is one thing in these attributes that I would, if you didn't pick one, let me pick humility for you. That is the one that we could all work on. A couple of weeks ago, and I'll, I'll end with this. A couple of weeks ago, I'll stay close to the microphone, though. A couple of weeks ago, I um, um, I was in, we were in a marriage counseling session. Actually, it was premarital counseling for a couple who had been married before, so it was kind of a weird situation. But it was it was a premarital counseling situation for people who already knew about marriage. And so we're we're talking, and they were both came out of a divorce, and they were both just. Resolute that they wanted to do this right this time, and as they were leaving, when well, this is session five or six, I mean we've had a good good relationship here. As they were leaving, they the, the man put his hand on the doorknob and he said, "Hang on." And he turned around, and he looked at me, and he said, "He said, man, I, you have told us a lot of a lot of stuff, and there's a, a bunch of people are feeding into us right now. If there is one thing that I could start doing now, one thing, what would it be?" And I told him, I told him this, it's humility. And you have got to assume that your wife is more important than you are. And if you're going to do that, then your kids, more important than you are. Your parents, more important than you are. The people that are in your bubble, more important than you. If you'll start valuing people above yourself, I believe your marriage will be great. And I believe that the relationships around you will be great. Your relationship with God will be great, my friends. Of all these attributes, if you didn't pick one, pick humility. Because I believe it will put you in a spot where God can speak to you and change you and grow you and to create more Jesus in you. And that's our goal. 2 Corinthians 5 9, whether I'm home or away, I make it my goal to please God. How do I please God? I become more like Jesus. And I believe humility is a great place to start. However, if you've got humility down, pick one of those other ones. Or pick all of them. And just do that. Here's my point about all of this this morning. If we are to become more like Jesus, we got to know what that means. And it is as simple as what I just did with you. Pull out your pull out your scripture. Go through the Gospels. Pull out those things where Jesus is showing one of His attributes, and circle it, and put it on your put it on your wherever you look every day, and say, I want to do that today. And then tomorrow, pick another one. Say, so, I want to do that today. And grow, change, become more like Jesus, and the people around you will be better for it. And that's our ultimate goal. Please, God, grow other people. Let's pray together, and we will be, be done for the day. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for <clears throat> simple truth at the same time, so complex truth that, it's, that it's, it's impossible for us to do this on our own. So, God, as we truly do try to apply who you are into our lives, God, I pray that we would do that with humility. And that we would do that understanding that we cannot truly do that on our own. That we need your spirit. We need your presence in our lives. We need you to grow us, to change us, to help us become more like you. And God, as we do, I pray that there will be people that will see that. And that will be so compelled to know more about you because of the life that we lead. And we'll be able to tell them how great you are. And how good you are. God, thank you for just allowing us to, to be in your presence this morning. God, I pray that you will just continue to bless us with that. And I pray that you will just take us through this week, allowing us to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. All right, thank you, guys.